0: Hi and welcome. My name is Ali Hart, and I am the host of this podcast. And you're listening and watching How to Build a Creative Business in a Noisy World. I really hope you enjoy the episode. Hi everyone, and welcome to the Hindsight series. Today I have Owen Crane, who is okay uh, I would say a good friend of mine. Now we first <laughs> met. my he's laughing. Um, both in the creative space, in the creative space. Yes. So uh, I met Owen. Uh, when he was the pastor of CFC. I don't even, I can't even tell you what CFC was something fellowship church. Uh, Christian,
1: I think. Yeah, yeah.
0: There you go, Christian. <clears throat> um that's uh well we went there to be fed spiritually anyway. It was a great time when Michael and I went, our Kids called it the fun church, but that was where I first met Owen and then through Sharon, who is my PA. And then also my husband michael had met Owen many moons ago through his teaching his school which is a school of belfast time ago. yep but anyway, today we are, this this podcast is about building a creative business and even though we've been like uh, off piste a little bit but also it's been really relevant because I like to spotlight people. Today I am talking to Owen because you will also know I've mentioned him and his, um, him being an author in previous podcasts. So he's a writer, creator, I would say he is one of the sound people that I can uh, soundboard. Thank God, my judgment, but also with enough kind of critique that it gives me a lot to think about. So I know today he'll be able to offer that wisdom to you, my listeners and viewers. Uh, so Owen, you are very welcome.
1: Thank you. You're fab. Was Thanks, that an okay?
0: Was that an okay? That was
1: awesome. <laughs> I I was amazed already. It was brilliant.
0: You were like, "Is it me? Is that me?
1: Who, who's that? I don't recognize that person. Imposter <laughs> syndrome <laughs> lurking." That's it. Well, wow, this is the space to own it. So tell yes. me then, In and you want to do a little line summary yourself, your own kind of introduction if you want. Kids uh, Well, I, I a kid's family. Okay. So uh, married 22 uh, years this uh, summer to Anne, three kids, um, all kind of fairly grown up now. So 20 year old daughter and then two sons, very soon to be 18, have an 18th birthday and lockdown is slightly in- interesting thing. And then a 14 year old lad, so it's like having five adults in the house now. I thought, yeah. I had, so your think,
0: baby is fourteen.
1: Yeah, my baby's four, and he, and you know, in the last year, he's grown like six inches. His voice is broken. He's like filled out. It's like, oh dear lord, what happened? What happened wow. to my s- sweet little boy? Yes, he's still in there. You have to go digging though. Yeah. But you can, you can find it through the through the the kind of like too cool for school. If you go yeah. digging, you can get him.
0: Yeah. So, and I imagine third born as well. He's a little bit more like, yeah, you can dig all you want, dad, but I am who I am. No, exactly.
1: No. They, the other two insist that he's spoiled, but I was the youngest of three. So I understand what it's like to be the youngest child. And we have it worse than everybody else. Yeah, don't yeah
0: you've got his back. Um, <laughs> and, brilliant. and then so day to day, what are you doing then right now?
1: So uh, I stepped down from the leadership of the church. So I'm now freelancing. So I'm doing a whole, I'm in a kind of exploration stage. So doing it, some writing, some writing, some children's books, writing my second uh, young adult novel that's going on at the same time, um, writing, helping some people communicate, um, some blogs and LinkedIn SEO stuff on that, um, right. looking together, put together a communication course to help people communicate their message better. So we're looking doing a building a long line community around that, um, writing uh, for some children's TV work, and just well the writing's
0: it, been there for a long time, hasn't it? I know we'll be able to mm, go through your yes. uh, journey, but the writing's not new. The, 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 no. the Publishing um, of the novels or self-publishing.
1: Self-publishing. Um it's not new, but it's been it was almost like a hobby. It was mm-hmm. something that I didn't take particularly seriously. I just did for the crack. Like I wrote the first book just for the kids, just give the kids something when they and were. Can younger. I just
0: say as well, this is not a book that's you know three three chapters long. This is a like proper
1: 70,000 words which is for me the longest thing I ever wrote was like 5,000 words for universities to write something that's 70,000 words bonkers
0: but also that was the other thing I always felt amazed with you I know it's like me with paintings right that's just I always talk about when I'm mentoring people you go for your you hold on to what you're good at and just hammer and tongs you know do it yeah I don't uh, and also effortless there, because whenever you're good at it and that's what you do I don't mm. mind saying that and same with you seventy thousand words is like whoo, for me but yeah. that um you would know the chapters and all before you write them wouldn't you, like you would yeah
1: all- I would do a I would do a um almost like a flow chart uh-huh. in my head like on paper of like okay this happens and this happens and this happens and then they go here, and then and that's the fun part of it that's the you know, working out how do we get this character into this situation, and then how do we throw as much chaos and danger at them as possible, and then how do we how do we move how do we move the story along, and that's the bit I love. Mm-hmm. Then you have to edit the blooming thing, which is. <laughs> that's, um
0: uh, And so then, tell me then, because just off air, we were talking about you doing a business degree. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I did business management degree at Manchester. Where are you from,
0: by the way? Not Norway. From
1: a, a tiny village about this big. It's like I was in Jamore yesterday. My in-laws That's are just the size moving. of a pea, by the way.
0: For
1: it's, oh, listen. for those listening, it's tiny. It's like smaller than Jumor. Um, So I grew up, and it was in right in the heart of Sussex, which is like southeast England, like almost France, as far as we're concerned here. Okay. So I grew up there, lived there. Well, actually, bizarrely, born in Malaysia. So born in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. My dad was an aerospace engineer, so they traveled a lot when um, they were young, newly married. So my two older brothers, my older brother was born in Nairobi, in Kenya my middle brother was born in KL and I was born in KL which is great when you're when you're when you're going blood doning. my mum was born in Karachi as well in Pakistan because her dad did the same thing so I'm like so ridiculously white I'm almost translucent like but uh-huh. I go red but then when you do your blood doning thing and they they look at your thing and you tell them your mum born in Karachi and they look at you really weird and then you're born in Malaysia confuses the heck out of people so <laughs> then moved back to Sussex when I was a year old grew up there in like the countryside so, like think Vicar of Dibley Mm-hmm. That's the village I grew up in, that kind of wow. experience. Um, so it was great, loved it, and then moved to Manchester for university and then stayed up north. So I was in Manchester, got married after uni, lived there for six years, moved over to Bradford for six years, and then uh here. So I've been here for it'd be 10 years in August.
0: That's not actually as long as I thought.
1: You think the I'm native so now?
0: settled, I'm, yeah. So
1: basically, I you know. I can't have a, can't have a coffee without a biscuit now.
0: Oh, very um, good. Yeah. True. So, I'm in,
1: so I'm in frankly. Yeah. So I love it. Kids love it. Kids at that moment of, it was about four years ago, watching the six nations and my eldest son would have been about 14 then. And it was England. Ireland came on the six nations and he looked at me <laughs> and says, dad, I'm sorry. I'm supporting Ireland. And it was that moment of like,
0: he's genuinely, torn. <laughs>
1: genuinely, I was heartbroken. Like my, my firstborn son is supporting Ireland, but I'm glad he's gone native. So that's cool. Brilliant. Me, and
0: then so you studied then in manchester is that where you did yep. business
1: yep yeah and what came business. after that so then i went into telecoms so i um the, the telecoms market was booming at the time this was um late 90s early noughties um lots of deregulation in the market so i went into they called it like business development it was okay. sales we were selling to small and medium-sized companies So I got a real background in, um, sales in presenting in communicating in all of that kind of thing to company directors. So I did that for a number of years. Um, I don't even know how long, maybe four or five years. Um, and then went to work for the charity sector for a little bit, did some similar kind of stuff within the charity sector, working for a campaigning charity, did a little bit bizarrely ended up. I I wanted to get out of the the telecoms. I've been made redundant a couple of times because of the craziness of the industry. People were trying to float their companies and it was all a bit mad. Um, Ended up, Doing some training for a security company, training like ex military who had got jobs as security guards for like Microsoft and B Sky B and Xerox and people like that. So I was training them customer service, like how to be nice to people, which was a slightly weird experience. Um, and then ended up, ended up doing security audits of these big blue chip companies and like trying to break into be sky B's offices and stuff like this which was a little bit bizarre it's just weird where you end up and you're like how did i end up in this space
0: but also there's communication the whole way through that
1: all the way through it yeah it was always it was always people always face to face um loving being that being
0: a communicator
1: being a communicator learning how to um interact with people and connect with people uh, so did that then moved over to bradford to work for a charity in bradford a really great debt counseling charity just did a lot of work for them again same stuff like all business development they didn't call it that they called it i don't know something touchy feely within the charity world that okay. um, didn't feel like sales but you're always selling did that and then went to work for a church and then moved over here to work for a church and been doing that. So did that for five years here, then did a year at Michael's school do it again, doing business development basically. Yeah. And then left that and went to work for another church. Um, yeah. And did that. And then here,
0: And here you are. Super. Uh, so, what would you say through all of that? There, there obviously, communication and being a communicator mm. is at the helm there. um yep. Would you say that? So, what what role does that? Could, so, I talk about the creative path is never straightforward. No.
1: And that, <laughs> no. That's
0: the beauty of it. But one of the things we also were saying off air was. Um, I guess it's that old saying of don't put all your eggs in one basket, you know, the security of one thing. Yeah. I was just discussing with you even now, like I'm, I would say I'm well-established, but I still have the fear mm. yeah. every month. that you know, the next month isn't going to be what it, the last one. Yeah, it totally. It's all going to fall off the edge of the earth. Do you, you're a bit better at um, riding that wave than I am. Do you have any thoughts? Yeah,
1: about probably because I've, I've, I've just been on it for so long. So like, you know, I, I was, I was kind of raised in that classic middle-class family, like dad was working class and, and, and came, but then he got like, was an apprentice and then became management. And so we were raised in that kind of classic middle-class go to university. We were the first generation, my elder brother and I both went to university. So go to university, get a well-paid job, be secure. That would be kind of like, and then, you know, retire at whatever. So I did that, went to university, got a well-paid job with a big established company and was made redundant in 12 months. Um, so that, and, and like being made redundant, I mean, being called into the office, gather 30 people and say, your job's gone now, clear your desk. It was that kind of right. And, um, I'm not sure if Beth had been born, my daughter, either, either Anne was like, like nine months pregnant, or she—I'm not I'm not exactly sure—but mm-hmm. basically about to have a, a new child. So that was just a shock. Um, and then, so but then, thankfully, within the industry, got a, a job like the next week. So that was good. Walked into another job. But then six months later, exactly the same thing happened again. And these companies—they were trying to cut costs and float and, and stock price and all that kind of thing. So it just literally would lay, you know, fifty people off, hundred people off, just gone. So that taught me like within 18 months out of university, like, okay, there was no such thing as a secure job anymore. You know, that's, that's, that's done. And my, my granddad worked for the same. He worked for British Airways, British Airways, his entire career. And you're like, that doesn't happen anymore. You can't, it's, it's." so then having to then become a little bit more um, aware and not trusting in my job, not trusting in my employer, No, my employer could call me in any moment um, and make me redundant. So like, okay, that's, that's not going to work. So that, I suppose that in a way helped me help me when, when I, when I went self-employed now to go, actually, do you know what? Being self-employed is no more risky than being in a job. Mm -hmm. Um, And actually the most important thing I think is, is doing what, doing what you love, doing what you're passionate about, being free to, you know, to, to do whatever that is. I think so many people stay in jobs because I don't know, they've got a mortgage or they've got, you know, a particular type of lifestyle and they'll be in jobs, you know, they're miserable and they hate miserable. for 40 years. It's like, mm-hmm. I would, I would rather take the risk of, you know, not having, you know, not having a lavish lifestyle, but actually doing something. That I love 40, 50, 60 hours a week. That's gotta be a better trade-off.
0: Yeah. We, I hadn't thought about this until now, but we we have definitely talked about it in the past, Whenever my son was doing what's called the transfer test over here, Mm -hmm. you know, to go to the schools. And how I I went to high school, I don't, it's, I have to rein myself in whenever I think that uh, people who do well in exams are like, are better than other people. It's a, but then there's some people that are just made for education and made for school. And we were talking about how maybe if our boys were, our, our kids were, Different, you know, because I think yours all went to grammar school.
1: Did there? All yeah, yeah, they all, they all, uh, and and part of that because we were fairly naive when we arrived here. Like, so we don't in England, we didn't have this system. It doesn't exist. No yeah. so transfer. Is there enough. streaming? Nope. I mean, I think there is in certain parts of the country, but most of it's comprehensive. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's very little academic selection, unless you want to pay. Yes, um, so yeah. that was never an option for us. Um. So the idea of academic um, and and an academic streaming and what that creates just frustrates the absolute life out of me. Um, because you're right, it, what it does is it it it, it grades us on of such a narrow band of skills. Mm-hmm. It's like, can you assimilate information really quickly, and can you regurgitate that information in a in an organised fashion? Mm-hmm. Well, okay, if you're good at that, brilliant. But but when I look at the people that I've the people i've worked with the people the teams that i've built the people i've recruited i'm so disinterested in that skill for anything that i've ever done i don't need I've never needed anything and i'm sure there are jobs where you need that yeah but like no like surely the
0: percentage must be quite oh it's crazy um two we were talking to two different friends recently and they're both uh, big companies and they were saying same thing whenever someone comes Mm. in and they're Looking at CVs, it's like no, it's not often. It's really very little about the CV. It's how they communicate, how they fulfil tasks, what their, you know, stickability and all that kind of thing. But then I guess I the other side of that is I can see how even from an art point of view, you know, you have to show that you can. I guess draw the trainer the same way that you're meant to draw the trainer in order for them to get thirty pupils through to the next level because they yes. don't have, you know, schools are at capacity as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I still find it baffling that we're at this stage in 2021. Um, maybe it's just a Northern Irish thing, but or, you know, I, yeah, I think it's actually a global education thing where that mm. is celebrated more than the arts and the music and the... It's poets. insane, And especially it's during COVID. And, and,
1: and I think the, the thing that drives me out the wall is there's there, there is no need for the technology we've got now to have the education system that we have. Mm-hmm. it's just the whole education system so un- unfortunately our university education our university selection criteria is based on our a-levels mm-hmm. and a-levels are based on our gccs which are then based on so it all tears down and those are private businesses and they're not going to do anything yeah. to jeopardize their private business when it's crazy the idea of a standardized test it's like the idea that kids are standardized kids aren't standardized it's, and like yeah i get i mean this is one of my hobby horses you've got me on sorry No, no, yeah, but I it's all right but it's the idea that 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 we've made art boring I know. And, and music boring like how do we how how can we possibly make music and art boring and the reason is because the right the, like, the t- poor teachers have to teach a particular standardized curriculum to get yeah. them through and it's like it's art for heaven's sake like what are we talking about like quick sorry go on isn't it also
0: really interesting though too then even just taking art (laughs) out of that you know i know guys who are really hard workers who are amazing in what they do and they have been superb in their role, but they can't go higher because they didn't get a 2-1 from a university. And I just think, what is this? Like, where and are we? And, it,
1: and it's the so narrow-minded. This, when
0: they sit with this board of governors or whatever it is in these different places and, they, like, all the board, and they're automatically set aside because that piece of paper. But anyway, that's a whole other... And,
1: and it's, it's complete. I mean, I, I idiotic. I was chatting with a friend of mine who um, who like bombed out of school, hate school, did all that kind of thing. Went back to university at 27 to become an electrical engineer and now as a fully qualified, highly proficient expert electrical engineer at 27. And you're like, we, we, there's something so fundamentally wrong with the way that we approach all of this stuff and think about all of this stuff. It's just...
0: Well, especially even kids now. You know, my kids with being all these YouTubers, I'm like, yeah, yeah, if you want to be a YouTuber, that's fine. But as long as you work hard at it.
1: Exactly. And and that's the thing, isn't it? It's tenacity. It's working hard. It's the ability to collaborate. Can can you get on with people? Can you communicate? Can you finish the job? <laughs> exactly. All of those kind of things which are important rather than, you know, can you assimilate this information quickly and regurgitate it to me? Like, oh, I
0: know. Well, tell me then it, on yeah. a day of hmm. two for whenever you're creating, because I remember yeah. um a year or two ago you were meeting a friend of pre-COVID who was also a creative and you're having like a day of writing. I remember thinking, that yeah. is amazing. I'm so glad you're doing that. Tell me what what format that takes. So for creatives that are listening who just think, so for me today, I'm painting and I it's coming together, it'll be a while. But <laughs> it's uh it's a very much like a painting for me. And I know that I need it. I feel like I need it. I need to be creative okay. because yeah, the cool. business stuff takes over sometimes. Yeah. How does a day rule out for you that is a writing day
1: um it depends if it's collaboration so if it's a non-collaboration day and it's just me um then I'll go I'll go through my so I have a morning ritual mm-hmm. um which has been super helpful for me in lockdown. So a morning ritual is um it's really simple. It's like a cup of coffee, like breakfast shower breakfast, dressed at my desk as early as I can be. So normally quarter past eight, 830 um first thing i do is my what i call morning pages so this is from a book called the artist way i think the book's called cool. somebody sent me and all the morning pages it's like it's like a workbook about it. it's an a4 workbook and it's basically a brain dump you yep. just write you just you stream of consciousness on the page which is what my writing coach taught us to do on writing retreats to start off with and it's just a way of getting out of your head all the things you're worried about bothered about things anything and it just gets out on the page and then i do a bit of reading so something inspirational so i will i'm going through um the book of luke so the the jesus's life from luke's perspective just reading that for a bit of inspiration and then into what i need to do so then it's then and then setting myself um this kind of moment of what deep work i read a really great book called deep work by somebody i can't even remember who it is scientist talking about the idea of deep work, which is no distraction. So phones off, phones away, everything's away. And I'm just in the moment to um, write as much as I can without a break. So normally hour, hour and 15 minutes on that. And it's no editing. I'm not reading it through. I'm just getting the story out and just banging that, uh, banging that away. And then once I've finished that, stop, go away, have another cup of coffee, come back. Then start the editing process. So just and it's it literally my creative process is then just working, working that through. Mm-hmm. Um, and normally starting with an so if I'm writing one of the short kids stories, one of the red door stories, I'll just have an, an initial idea. So I sit my there's a window next to me where I look out on the park and all the stories are based in the park. So I'll look out on the park and and see something and go, right, I'm gonna write about that. And even that, not not overthinking it. So, so just going, right, that'll be, that's my starting point. Let's go. And then, and then, right. And then I think so many times um, we do this, we we overthink things and we try to get the perfect, the perfect hook for a story or the perfect start for this or the perfect. And it's like, there's no such thing as perfect. And you just got to start somewhere. So start, so I just start. So that's, and it's, there's nothing mystical about that. It's just letting it flow out. And if it's not, if, it, if there isn't anything coming Stop. Go for a walk. Mm -hmm. um, Get moving. Do something different. I, I I used to kind of beat myself up a little bit and force it, and like I will do this. And but if nothing's coming, it's just. But there normally is something coming. And what I've started to do now as well, for certainly for those shorter stories, is every time I have an like an idea, oh, I could write about that, or I could write about that, I could write about that. It's literally just write the sentence. Mm -hmm. So I know when I'm going to coming to write, I've already got the first line. So then I'm away and once you've got the first line, it's funny. I used to, um, and I still do occasionally. I, um, I had a stammer as a teenager, okay. well, maybe a bit younger than a teenager. Um, and it, I've it's, it's very well, I saying it's well-managed. It's not particularly well-managed because it, it doesn't, it doesn't, um, manifest particularly now, but it's still, there's still moments. Um, and it's always on the first line. So I only stammer on the first line when I'm reading, something. if I got to read something in public. The first line will trip me up okay so i have to i have to get myself in a state to get through that first line and i feel like that's with creative with my creative process if i've got the first line happy days are away i can just write um
0: i love um writing there sorry to interrupt you but the, I, I love that now my writing is very different from yours so my movie uh writing i guess colloquial short you know blog posts really yeah uh, but they always are best when I, we call it blind writing. I remember doing a writing course as well and she did. She, so you actually, even if the typing of the words are gobbledygook, okay, you don't, you don't stop right? Um, and then you go back to do the editing. You're like, what is that sometimes? But that real blind writing, mm. I, I love. I know it's not exactly the same as what you're saying, but it is really good to get, because otherwise we're so distracted and we stop and start.
1: Yeah. There's that. There's a, a really interesting book by Elizabeth Gilbert who wrote Eat, Pray, yeah, Love. Magic, she big could, magic, magic as
0: well. Yeah, big
1: magic, and she wrote. She does a really good. TED Talk that she did, but the, the kind of idea of concept of big magic is that is the idea, and it is it's a spiritual book really. There's the idea that there is there are stories out there, there is inspiration out there, there is paint this all out there, and actually our job is not so much to manifest it from inside ourselves, mm-hmm. but to capture it in everything that we see around us, and then and then let it flow. Um, and that for me that took a lot of pressure off. It was like yeah. actually I don't I don't have to. You know, get angsty about, oh, I can't create or anything like Actually, the creativity comes from external. So, it, it...
0: Uh, yeah, that's a lovely way to think of it. The other thing you said there was about, you said about the flow and then, oh, they're the not, the, you know, things aren't like, if you don't feel creative about just continue taking a break. Yeah. I remember listening to the podcast years ago, it was whenever podcasts were starting out. I think it's called The Starving Artist. And she right. had said, or someone was talking about how, I think as creatives, it wasn't even on that. It was maybe actually on a business one. It, and they said, the world isn't going to end if you have a nap. <laughs> yeah, because I, yeah. I think so much of us, especially with me, with my own business and with responsibility, yeah. and when the boys are, and this is totally. my long day. I'm like, I better get this done. I better be. And yeah. I remember them saying like that everything is not going to fall apart if you decide to have one no. extra cup of coffee, which cuts in the. Whereas yeah. I, I guess there's. Maybe that is, I don't know, maybe that's me just projecting, but maybe that's going back to the education system of like, you must be, you must yeah. show documentation that totally. you are successful. That totally, you
1: are... yes. And so it's like, it's... we have this worship of productivity and so that we we feel like we constantly have to have a, if we, if we an hour work, we have to produce something so we can mm-hmm. show other people or ourselves that we've produced something. Where, where if you want to produce something worthwhile, if you want to produce something deep, the science tells us you have to rest. You have to have downtime so your brain recovers. Mm-hmm. You just can't. They actually measured your productivity over time, or like your your uh, the output of your work. And after a certain time, it literally just falls off a cliff. You've got to you've got to rest. You've got to recuperate. Editing slightly different as from the creative process. So I have to. I actually I have to. I have to you know get myself in the space of I am going to edit this and that. For me is a you know that's a graft. That's part of the, you know, grit, got to get through it. But, and as much as I hate it, my work is better after I've edited it. Yeah. So you've got to do it.
0: I actually had a blog post that's going out today. It's called, Are You Happy? Uh, Well, it'll be launched now by the time this goes live, but uh I'd forgotten to edit it and I was the same thing I was like (laughs) (laughs)
1: oh
0: like like, that's the admin side I don't do
1: that and like it's crazy and different people different personalities so my the the lady that teaches me writing she she would spend 80 percent of her time editing so she would like she would write a poem and like I agree
0: I think that's about right
1: no that's Bonk well, and, but that's yes.
0: poems or maybe different poems and short blog posts i feel like the blog post itself because it feels like the creative flow is just like yeah. bam 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 bam, and then i guess because i do the blind stuff it feels like the editing takes oh it takes like, forever yeah.
1: and 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 it is better but it's just for me it's such a graft like it she is. loves it and i'm like I, I can't so i have to force myself to do that
0: yeah yeah
1: but it is better
0: do Sorry. you know interesting as well so i was listening to another podcast but it was about health and but similar right so bear with me they talked about it was gut health it was all about your gut health nice okay, and cool. one of the things so it was about you know how we consume food what we can consume more of um microfiber blah blah, blah all this sort of thing wow. obviously i'm very uh scientific myself and i can't even <laughs> any of what i absorbed but it made sense at the time and one of the things they were talking about was at the very end he said don't um underestimate the power of rest in your life so they yeah. were talking about lifestyles they were talking about work talking about food talking about the intricacies of inside your body but i thought it was really interesting at the very end this doctor said don't underestimate mm. the power of rest so yes. similar to what you're saying you're not the, the guts not productive unless That's it has it. rest too so similar yeah. thing
1: and it's, and it, in some ways it's really obvious, but I, I still feel a little bit guilty Oh, I and always. Do. I, and, and I know that when I'm tired, so I had a bit of time over this last weekend of, you know, thoughts spiraling like doom and gloom. Yeah. And I had to stop myself and go, Oh, and you're just knackered. Yeah. Like you've had a really busy week. Your head's a bit fried. There's loads of big decisions you've had to make and have to think about and create. You're just tired. Like yeah. don't make any decisions today. Yeah. Like, wait till the morning have a yeah. cup of coffee have a good night's sleep and then funny enough woke up in the morning we're like ah everything's it, fine it's again. Okay
0: again yeah it's like, no.
1: nothing changed it's just like i wasn't tired anymore you're like ah oh, grief okay fair enough so it's, it's giving yourself a break realizing that particularly you've got you got young kids in the house mm-hmm. like uh, yeah it's tiring work's tiring so you have to give yourself rest you gotta switch off because um, there's always more work to do that's the thing there
0: is and, it, and that's what i have to tell myself as well about friends that are in offices i always tell like that their job rolls over to the next day whereas i i like to be tickled off the list just because i know you and i feel like i'm able to address this it's very interesting that you have mentioned about having a stammer because yeah there's yourself ian young who i had on recently okay who is strength and conditioning really successful coach um Sesse, who presents on Q Radio.
1: Right.
0: Very interesting that three meals have touched on that and talked really? about yeah, having a stammer because that's oh, has... interesting. So how did you did that affect growing up like fear? And just I think having um... three boys and seeing how I have to constantly encourage them to talk about mm. their insecurities and about their fears. Did you yeah?
1: I'm, I it was really interesting. I remember it, I remember it fairly clearly like late primary school so maybe like p6 p7 um, and the way I so I went to speech therapy regularly every every month um, and I remember being I remember being bothered by it um, particularly there was things that I wanted to do so I remember wanting to be in drama groups I wanted to act but knowing that I couldn't do it Because I knew I would stammer. So I didn't even put myself forward. And it was only actually fairly recently thinking back like that was, you know, 30 plus years ago and thinking about that and kind of going, oh, that's, you know, that's an interesting part of my life and my journey that didn't work. Um, And then being, I remember, I remember being angry about it. Mm -hmm. um, And that manifested, I was a fairly, I was a fairly big lad in my age group. So the way I dealt with it, which I'm not in any way proud of, but the way I dealt with it was anyone said anything, I just hit them. Mm-hmm. So then people stopped saying a kind of, it, it, so in, in that way, it it dealt with it, you know, in a particularly dysfunctional way, but it dealt with it um, in that process. And I'm not, I'm, you know, I don't even know particularly how it kind of went away. I'm not sure if speech therapy particularly mm-hmm. did the job. Maybe it's uh, clearly something happened because I, I hardly ever, um stammer anymore but I guess I'm not embarrassed about it now where I would have been mm-hmm. um and I would have avoided particular things particular uh, situations but it kind of makes me laugh that you know my job is communication and I I actually love public speaking I, I really enjoy it actually which I know it's like one of the you know it's one of the most common fears in people isn't it and I'm like I, I love it um but yeah so it's it's just a it's it's a really interesting part of my journey that um that must have had a a must have had an impact as a kid um
0: do you think it helped you deal with fear then because i always ask people this in the podcast anyway
1: no i no i don't know because i i I don't think it did because i i remember the things that it stopped me doing a lot of stuff i wanted to do Mm -hmm. so it's like really silly even things like I don't know, if every I was in Cubs, and I was a, a sixer, like the leader of mm-hmm. leader. Right, I know, know. that
0: the boys are in you, Cubs, yeah, right,
1: your little thing. And I don't know if every cub pack did this, but certainly our cub pack did it. And there was a little little chant that you had to do, and it was like, I think the Arkela said, like Cubs, do your or something. There was a there was almost like a little bit of a, a back and forth okay. that one sixer did with the Arkela and then all the other kids did it. And I. I was called on a couple of times to do it and couldn't just couldn't get the words out. Okay. So then standing amongst 40 or something of my peers and not being able to get the words out. I remember that just being really humiliated, embarrassed, angry, angry. was probably mm-hmm. um, looking back. I was probably quite an angry, angry teenager. Like all the sports I played just involved If I could hit somebody, then I would play and then I would play that sport. Um, so yeah, quite an angry kid. Um, until we dealt with that yeah
0: whereas you're actually just like oh you know your temperament reminds me of michael sometimes you're a bit of a eh. yeah,
1: yeah. And, and that that's taken a a lot of therapy
0: yeah
1: coaching counseling work just doing my own work doing um lots of reading around
0: isn't it true how you just have to do that i yeah. I don't hold back now saying about having researched why I am the way that I am and how mm. I, I know I have this really strong sense that, so dad died between or just before my eighth birthday. Mm. So that age between seven and eight, I've been really delving into. Right. And, how I, and I've talked about another podcast on my own. You know, that is when you are become aware of your, you know, it's not just all about you anymore. You realize right. there's other people that can affect. Okay. So I just feel like that was a very interesting you <clears throat> to have like trauma and lots, but I didn't realize that until I yeah. was
1: older. No. And um, and that's I mean, everybody has some degree of, of something. We just pick up stuff in the world. I mean, yours mm-hmm. was crazy and tragic at that age. And and then it's if you if you don't what I what I talk to people about is the ability to stop and step away from what you've just said or step away from what you just thought and ask yourself, why did I say that? -hmm. Like what, what, because that happened. I said that because of something that I believe or mm-hmm. well, what is it I believe that made me say that? And is that a good thing that I believe or is not a good thing? I, is that healthy or is it not healthy? Is it, is it neutral or why do I believe that? What has happened in my past that has caused me to believe that and say that? And do I like that about myself? So.
0: And do I actually believe it? I think we yeah. keep on these beliefs totally. as well. You? Totally.
1: Yeah. So that, I mean, that started for me fairly late, I suppose. I was probably would have been early Mm thirties when i went to work for a a charity really really good charity in bradford and we did as a management development tool we used this book called now discover your strengths by marcus buckingham fascinating book he was a Gallup pollster so they polled like a million people across the world and discovered these like 42 i think it is strengths that different people had
0: Cool. so you go
1: through it and then you look so you look at yourself very much from a strength-based model so i looked to these five things there were five particular strengths and realized that things that people had told me were a problem for me were actually, no, no, that's, that's a strength. Mm -hmm. So one of the things is one of mine was like my strongest was something called an activator, which means you're brilliant at starting stuff. You're pretty terrible at finishing stuff. (laughs) Um, And if you, if you, if you, certainly for my, how that was framed for me was you're, you're, you're bad because you can't finish anything Mm -hmm. and actually when within this organization they realized it and were like okay you're really bad good good at that but actually these other people are really good at bringing order to the chaos that you create what an amazing team let's put the two because they can't start anything they'll just be sat around not Mm -hmm. doing anything so Mm -hmm. you start it you create the chaos let them come along behind and organize everything so like happened we we created an intern program there and we were, we were talking about it in a management meeting, And I just lent across and just said, give it to me. I'll start it. So I started it in like six weeks. I started the intern program from nothing, um, and, and got people on board and we had a bunch of interns in there. Now I ran it, ran it, I ran it for about six months and then handed it off to this lady called Lydia and Lydia took it and Lydia like made it 10 times better then I was going to make it. She brilliant. was so organised, really like worked with a coach and brilliant. And now, however many years later, that intern program is in Canada and New Zealand and Australia and across the UK. But it needed somebody to start it. Start up.
0: brilliant! I actually managed myself. Yeah. So
1: and and what I loved about the organisation was they recognised that and went, that's not a weakness. That's a real strength. Mm-hmm. So we're going to use that strength and then we're going to bring Lydia on. And Lydia's strength is to make what you've done even better. And there was no, and what it does is it, it, it means there's no competition. I'm not mm-hmm. diminished by Lydia's strength, and Lydia's not diminished by my strength. Mm-hmm. We complement each other's strengths and go. Oh, actually, you're already good at this. You're already good. Well, let's let's collaborate and work together mm-hmm. and use our strengths. We'd go back to the education system. What we try and do is everybody be equal. we're, yeah. like, we're not. We're not you know, we're not equal. Exactly. Everybody's different. Everybody's got a unique way of looking at the world, unique experiences, new contribution. So I love all that. Like, you know, Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram and all of that. It just helps explain. It gives us language. For why we do certain things,
0: and doesn't it also enrich life? Oh, I feel like amazing. you live in a bit of a fog. You know, you come out of school and you're like, "Well, I'm this, this, and this, and I'm not this, this, and this."
1: Totally, and it's so helpful with raising kids. So when your kids are a bit older, like things like the Enneagram really help me because, you know, my daughter is is like loves a fight she just loves it and if I didn't have language I would look at that and go you're just argumentative and you're just a bit aggressive and you know actually she's not actually she learns by and that's how she displays her passion and who she is about and then she's taught when we did the Enneagram together she was like you mean not everybody's like this I'm like no babe (laughs) <laughs> no, not everybody's like this. And my my middle my middle child, my eldest son, is a is a nine on the enneagram, and he's like the opposite. So he's peacemaker, and he is calm. Um, and you could you could you could label him as kind of disengaged and lazy and he's not any of those things he's really engaged he's just engaged in a very different way to my daughter who's engaged in a very different way to my son and then when you start realizing ah you see the world like that that's really interesting because i don't see the world like that so tell me Tell me how you, oh, okay. So when this happens, you interpret it like that. Oh, well, I I didn't I didn't mean that. What I yeah. meant was this. And it's just incredibly, it's just appreciating each other and valuing well, each other. Well, in
0: business as well and in, you know, readers, because your readers are not all going to be the same. Totally. Well, same with me and nice. my paintings. You know, how somebody instinctively buys, you know, a 3,000 pound painting and then they, they buy it the next day. Another person might need to see it 30 times. Yeah. Yeah. you know but like yeah, it's that exactly. thing of we're all we're all different right. and it definitely does enrich life i think whenever you understand yeah that, especially for creatives i think yeah. it's really good to know yourself and as you say not to get bogged down in what you're you're maybe not the the best or it's maybe not your your best skill
1: No, and it's and then and then you can collaborate with other people.
0: Admin, all admin. Well, that's it.
1: But then, but you've done that by going. You've got Sharon involved and going. And and, I've
0: got Ruth as well. And like, yeah.
1: There you go. And like, Sharon gets excited about (laughs) organising, and you're like, how do you like? She loves it. You're like, awesome. I hate that. But I
0: feel like I'm I'm proud that I went for so years, kerfuffling my way through.
1: (laughs) you (laughs) paid your dues. Yeah, and that I had those other people.
0: Who just help me do it but it is um interesting so you're probably going to be reading something at the minute what are you reading apart from the book of Luke?
1: um I've just started well I've got I've got two things on the go so I have kind of like um uh if you like a personal development side okay. of things and then fun yep so my personal
0: development
1: I like development, to
0: do both as well what's hey. yours so what are yours the minute
1: so my personal development one is called essentialism um yeah, I have and, it Oh, you have it. Right. I'm about a, a chapter or so in it. I audiobook. I do audiobooks with those. I need um, to
0: get my audiobooks back on. Matthew from Best of Belfast told me, but he sent me it actually.
1: Okay, so yeah, no, really. And but I think you would really enjoy it. And it's about that idea of it's, it's almost like narrowing your focus, um, which is I part of my. Uh, downside of my personality is I chase butterflies I I can have an idea every 10 minutes about something new that we could do which again is a real strength great it's also a real weakness if you don't manage it so I have to focus so essentialism is really helping me of going right what is the one thing that I need to do like for the next however long week and in life I
0: thought it was really good for life as well just okay
1: brilliant stripping
0: back all the noise
1: and then my, my fun book, um, is I forget what it's called. It's Aaron, there's a, um, Aaron Morgenstein wrote the night circus. I don't know if you read that the night circus is a, is a, uh, it's the last book that gave me a book hangover. And I, I remember finishing it and my daughter read it first and then I read it and I remember finishing it, putting it on my chest like that and going, and then walking up to her bedroom upstairs going, I've finished it. Okay. I like really kind of like, I want to read, I can't ever read it again like for the that's first time powerful. ever. so then she's written a second book called the star the starless sea I think it's called so I'm a lot I'm at a chapter in that and already I'm like wow she's just a beautiful poetic very vivid writer so that's well
0: amazing. can we talk about just before we finish up your yeah. style of writing your what genre you know because I can imagine are those books like um what's that book is it not, it's, I don't know. It's not sci-fi. Oh, you are reading. What's this? Fantasy that, Fantasy. that that's
1: kind of like a fantasy-esque book. Um, so and it'll be
0: like detailed, but is it otherworldly and stuff? Yes. Well? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Always. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. I I don't I don't like like for me if a book's not got a dragon in it. Right. Really, so this
0: is why I want you to tell the audience what's as the well? point. <laughs> so
1: um so my I write I write primarily for two. I write for the very little kids. Those are the rhyming stories, like Doctor mm-hmm. Zeus rhyming stories. So mm-hmm. they're always. They're always slightly fantasy fantasy in it, whether it's animals talking and coming to life or dragons or whatever. There's that, and then my young adult novel is yeah, that's world building. That's a different world. Dawnhaven magic. Um, there's not a dragon in it. I'm not saying anything because who knows what might happen in the. I've got five books planned, okay. so I'm, I've written the first book's out. Second book is um, in the first draft is done so fantasy swords all of that um but i but also I,
0: relationships and yeah
1: because yeah totally this, a
0: very real banter aesthetic.
1: yeah 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 exactly and i like i write for fun so i want it to be fun mm-hmm. i want it to i want it to be engaging i want it to be i want i wonder i want to i want it to be exciting like i i it's like it's like tv shows my wife like wants to watch medical dramas and like real life 24 hours in a and e and i'm like i don't want to watch that if i want to watch tv it needs to be escapism it needs to be silly i want to watch mary poppins it's what i want to watch like, <laughs> come on
0: i feel like I have... that's the most that's a line we should finish
1: on <laughs> i want to watch mary Poppins. i'm the person to watch the disney channel in my house brilliant and i'm our, okay our
0: friend that. Stefan, he's a producer as well and he's the same But disney is, he's like what you yeah like, watched every single one. exactly <laughs>
1: yes. smart man that's um, the and magic tell is. me then
0: where people can find you
1: um so amazon or so if you go to amazon the books red door stories and ariella ariella and the curse of Dawnhaven is the first one um and then instagram owen crane on instagram
0: brilliant
1: um and then YouTube. i've actually read some of the books on youtube, YouTube. so if you go to, if you go to youtube red door stories well that's
0: little jacob
1: i've seen him watch the... yes jacob watches them. <laughs> i need
0: to do that for oh, or for yeah.
1: Uh, yeah they go he'll love them um and it's me reading to them so apparently i have quite a what did somebody say melodic voice. i don't know who knows who knows anyway you can consume it anywhere you like so
0: that owen crane on youtube
1: uh no red door stories
0: sorry red door stories
1: brilliant
0: yeah. really? well thank you so much I could it's been a there. joy. I know, it always is. The only thing we're missing is coffee. Did you have your coffee in this? I have, I finished
1: it. My 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 new rainbow mug.
0: Oh, it's beautiful. I've got my, uh, we're both supporting local service. Come on, well. we're like
1: local artists, let's um, go.
0: I'll never forget that meeting that we had because I think we will do, no, we will be doing our collaboration
1: we did. I, I had the the book designer nagging me at the weekend. Like, when are we doing that? I'm like, right, later, later, September. Okay,
0: we'll get it. September. I think. I think this will be. So yeah, keep an eye out for that. We have yes. the finds of a very beautiful piece. Very beautiful. Um, and also, uh, yeah, that one of the meetings. Remember, we actually just had like a gallon of coffee. I'll never forget. Like buzzing all the rest of the day i'm gonna go and have my coffee now but right thank there. you for sharing your joy. and being so honest um Lovely. thank you everybody for watching and for listening it really is a joy to be able to share uh people's stories and to highlight them and just to get into some nitty gritty conversations so if you subscribe you will get all the rest of the podcasts episodes and you can find me in Ali Hart a-l-y-h-a-r-t-e on most social media channels if you google it i think you'll find me Okay, thanks for listening and I will see and hear you. Watch, you, watch you, listen, don't know, on the other side. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the episode, I would really appreciate some feedback or for you to hit subscribe so that you get all the content every week in your inbox. And if you would like to check out my website, it's allyhart.com. especially if you were thinking about uh, needing some mentoring sessions because I have openings coming up in the summer. Thanks for watching. I'm listening and I will see you on the other side.